Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Our panelist today is Jim uh, Brzezinski. He is a managing partner with Tayback Law Firm based out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, with offices located across the United States of America, USA. Our discussion today is PTSD benefits, but Jim has been doing a wonderful job protecting our veterans and helping them through difficult times, making sure they get the legal representation they need to get the benefits they deserve. Hey, how are you doing, Jim? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on, and happy Juneteenth to y'all. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a big day. It's it's nice to see uh, it recognized nationally. Um, we as a, a a firm recognize it and give our people the day off. Uh, this week they got off the Friday, so they got a three day weekend to celebrate, and you know we're so happy to be able to do stuff like that. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, I had, had one person who was making, sort of making a joke. She said, you know, yesterday they, uh, they had off, uh, because, they, because of the federal holiday with Biden sign, signing a law, but they didn't tell them until, you know, the day was over. <laughs> so she was, <laughs> I know it. she said, this is like just a re- reenactment of this, of the whole <laughs> Juneteenth oh, day issue. <laughs> but that, that, that was, <laughs> although I'll tell you what, our, our mailman definitely found out in time because we, <laughs> oh, <he did>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we didn't our mail, so, uh, you know, that's a good sign, right. I guess. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, tell us about these uh, PTSD benefits. Uh, that's still, you know. Yeah. And, okay. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. I, I um, and I, I sort of wanted to take a, a different route. You know, sort of. Um, I mean, everybody knows about PTSD as it relates to combat, and you know, stuff that actually pertains to what our soldiers were doing in the military, but. Um, I thought maybe on this Juneteenth day, it'd be sort of interesting to talk about another way that I see PTSD coming across my desk for, from soldiers, um, uh, that have something happen to them in the military that isn't part of, you know, what they were doing for their duties, but something that happened that has been a great trauma to them. Um, you know, it, it's called, it's typically called like a, a personal trauma case. Mm-hmm. Um, many people know about what, what's called the MST, which is the military sexual trauma, which is one of just one type of personal trauma. Okay. Um, but I'll tell you about, you know, I have, I have at least three or four clients that had received such harassment in the military, uh, many times because of their race that they, um, developed a mental health disease because of their treatment. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I like to, most of these are, are sort of, uh, uh, some of our, our older veterans, you know, maybe they were in Korea or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to think that hopefully it's gotten a little better in the military, but you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure, but I have, I have several cases where people were, you know, singled out, treated poorly because of, uh, being black. Um, and they develop mental health cases or mental health issues and they're, and they're trying to get um, benefits for it, just like you know anybody else that gets uh, a mental health disease as a result of their service. And it, it can be a real struggle, that's for sure, on those cases. 
Wow. So, so what are recourses for them? How 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 are they being helped now? Um, yeah. So it's it's interesting, and um, the personal trauma cases that I'm referring to, they have a different way of proving that the incident happened. Because one thing that you've got to do in every single PTSD case is prove that there was a stressful event, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you have to prove that something happened to you. Now there's provisions if you're in combat or if you're in a spot where there's, um, you know, a fear of uh, hostile enemy forces, they give you a little bit of a presumption that there, that stressful events happen. Um, but when you are claiming PTSD as a, a result of anything that's not related to combat, you have to, literally prove that that event happened to you. So, um, I'll give you an example. You know, I have a, um, I have a, uh, a veteran who, um, was in Korea and, um, he had a, uh, you know, he had a, a run in with one of his superior officers and was, um, uh, basically put in uh, the brig or incarcerated while he was over there. And he said what was happening was his, uh, his commanding officer who was white didn't get along with him. Um, used every racial soil under the, under the sun. And when he was uh, locked up, he said that every day there would be uh, basically these, these tests of the missile sirens. Okay. okay. And, while he's locked up, they'd be testing the sirens. You know, he was in South Korea, just across the border. They'd be testing the sirens, you know, that they would play should North Korea come south. Okay. And okay. while he's locked up, he's hearing these sirens, and he doesn't know, is it, is it a, 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 a real or a drill? Right. So when oh. he said, you know, they'd have these drills every day. And every day, his commanding officer would come while he was locked up, tell him that it was not a drill and that he's going to be the first one that they get because he can't get out of his cell. And then his commanding officer would leave. You've got to be okay, kidding. So That's no. So yeah, it's just disgusting. And so, um, you know, so this happened and because of the nature of, of what was going on, you know, it's like, well, how do you prove that something like that was happening? Right. right, because it's not going to be in any books. That mm-hmm. they're not going to have it in logs, or you know, there's not going to be service human records, military records, nothing. So mm-hmm. it's all his word. Well, um, when you have something like that, that's that's a personal trauma case. There's a different way that the VA will allow you to prove that your that um, prove your case, basically. And the way they that they do that rather than having actual proof is they have, uh, they look for these things called markers and it's the same if you had like an MST case or the military sexual trauma case or, you know, a physical assault, a mental assault, you know, emotional, uh, harassment, whatever it is. Um, they, they prove these cases by looking for markers. And what is a marker? A marker is something that you can show that changed in a person's life, whether it be, um, they're, uh, you know, they, they start getting into trouble. They start having difficulty with drugs and alcohol. They start, you know, like if you have a soldier who for a few years has been doing well and all of a sudden, okay, now they're, they're asking to be reassigned. They're coming late to formations. They're, 
you know, it's, it's sort of when you can look and see that their life has changed one way or another mm-hmm. um, at a certain point in time. Um, so those are considered markers. And if you can find enough of that stuff in a person's records or, um, or if not in the records, through statements of people that know the, the vet, then you can get the VA to say, hey, you know, you're telling me that this happened. I know there's no way we're going to prove that it happened because it's not going to be in any records. But you've got these markers that started at a certain point in time. And because of that, we're going to give you the presumption that something very traumatic happened to you at that given point in time. And then what they'll do is they'll concede the stressor at that point. And conceding the stressor is the big, the big thing you need to have happen in a PTSD case. Um, because without it, then if, if you can't get a, a stressor conceded, you can't get an exam and you can't get uh, the VA to even evaluate whether you qualify for benefits. So, um, so it's, it's sort of an interesting type of case. And, and those are, are things that we've helped with before. Okay, really, wow. So it's really important from what you're saying for that documentation to be there. So people have to actually, um, you know, talk about these stressors. Like if it's a, uh, let's say it's a, uh, you know, a couple that's married, you know, um, and, you know, the the significant other, the partner may have, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, some experience with, well, this person is, you know, waking up at night or they're, you know, that this is not the person I knew before. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Or, or um, you know, moms, dads, brothers, sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you can find stuff that's actually while they're in the service, it's it's the best. But that's not the end of the analysis. If you can't, you know, if you can get enough people to say, "Hey, this person changed," and it changed r- right from the point when they got out of the military. You know, that's something where you can. Um, you can get the VA to admit that um, a personal uh, assault may have happened to the point that they'll um, then give you a CMP. Now, of course, conceding the stressor is not the end of what you need to have proven to win your case. Um, Conceding the stressor basically just gets you a compensation and pension examination with one of their mental health professionals to, um, which, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with those, those, you know, that's when they actually give you a diagnosis and tell you how bad it is and then give an opinion as to whether what you, what you've got going on is related to what the military concedes happened to you in the service. Okay. Right. Right. And then what about the uh, situation where uh, the person has something that's going on and it gets worse over time, you know, um, is there yeah. is there a need to you know to to do appeals or to update you know those kinds of yeah connections? absolutely so mm-hmm. um, so that's a really good question we we have a lot of people that come to us with that um, mm-hmm. you know you've gotten the military to say yeah okay we're we're going to service connect this um, and mental health similar to like an arthritic condition or um, you know you know, a back condition or, or really any other medical condition. It, it, and what I'm, and this is just anecdotal, but it seems that, um, it gets, it gets worse with age. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, um, I don't know if it's, and this is just sort of a thought, especially once someone retires, yeah. um, from their job. Okay. Uh, what, what I find then is people who had 
PTSD and were, you know, sort of dealing with it and, and able to function, you know, all of a sudden you retire and you've got not a lot going on in your life anymore. And you're just, you know, kind of taking it easy. And you could just picture um, having more downtime, more time to think. And a lot of times for people with PTSD, time to, time to think um, ends up negatively affecting your ability to cope. You know what I'm saying? The more you yes. think about it, the, the, the harder it gets. So a lot of times when people come to us and say, yeah, I, you know, it's just gotten worse and worse and worse. And um, so what you can do, um, and so we don't help with actually filing the increased claim because it's, mm-hmm. it's such an easy thing. You can just go onto your, um, your va.gov website if you have access or if you have a veteran service officer you're working with, veteran service organization, um, you can file what's called an increased claim. And what you would do, and you don't, when you file an increase, you don't have to prove that it's related anymore because the VA has already said, yes, it's related. You're just trying to tell them it got worse. Yeah. Um, so you file this increased claim. Uh, if you do it by paper, the form that you would do, it's, uh, it's called a 21-526-EZ. Okay, say that again, 21. 21-526-EZ. Mm-hmm. And um, it's the same form you would file for a new claim. Um, and you would just put in the issues, you would put increase PTSD or increase mental health or whatever. Um, you know, something to tell them that you think it's gotten worse. Um, cause there are definitely, you know, the, the whole scale of, of mental health, it goes 10, 30, 50, 70, a hundred, you know, and, um, if it gets worse, you can, you can definitely ask them to look at it. Um, now one thing that's kind of interesting and, uh, and this is something that I don't know that a lot of people know about is mm-hmm. if you, if it gets to the point where it's bothering you so bad that you're struggling with work. Mm-hmm. but they're not telling you it's a hundred percent based on the rating scale. You can file what's called a, uh, it's total disability based on individual unemployability. Okay. Um, the acronym for that is TDIU. If you go to the VD, VA and say TDIU, they'll know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, but it's basically mm-hmm. an unemployability claim. And what that is, is where you're saying, you know, you filed for your increase, Let's say you were at 50 and you filed for increase and they put you up to 70, but not a hundred. And you say, well, you know, maybe I'm not a hundred, but I keep getting fired from work. I can't handle, you know, my job. Mm-hmm. I can't deal with bosses, can't deal with authority, whatever it may be. You, uh, you then go in and, and file this claim for TDIU where they, they look at your um, background and um, compare that with your symptoms to make an analysis of whether they think you are um, likely to be successful in a competitive employment opportunity. Okay. Yes. Um, and the re- yeah. So, do you, have you heard about TDIU before? Do you know about that? No, no, sure I have not. No. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, unemployability—it's where you say, "Yeah, I'm only 50, I'm only seventy percent, but I can't work because of my condition." And it could be any condition; it doesn't have to be mental health. It could be oh. bad back. It could be. Um, it could be, you know, bad feet or whatever, or, and it could be a combination of things. It could be, you know, your back is 30, your mental health is 50, you got migraines at 30. It could be any number of things that's 
making it so that you struggle to work. Um, and you ask the VA to look at your symptoms along with your, um, your background. Uh, when I say your background, the things that they'll look at your education, your work experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then they're not, the one thing they're not supposed to look at is your age. Age does not matter. Okay. Yes. So, mm-hmm. so, um, that makes sense. Yeah. Look yeah. At, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and one thing that's, that's really an interesting thing is that, um, people who retire after they retire, you can still file for TDIU, even though you have no intention of, um, going back to work full time because, uh, they're not allowed to look and see if you're retirement age, you know, if they can't say, well, you would be retired because you're 65 already. Anyways, that's not, that's not allowed. Um, (laughs) they have to look at you as if, if you file TDIU, they have to look at your application as if you are a person who would try to work no matter what age you are. So, um, a lot of my clients who are older that have significant conditions, when I suggest TDIU for them, they, they kind of, you know, look at me like, why would I do that? I'm retired. Well, yeah, you're retired, but, uh, the law is not, does not care that you're retired. The law cares that if you wanted to work, could you work? It's not, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, so even someone who's well over the age of 65, if their, um, if their impairments are significant, should think about trying for TDIU because, um, what TDIU does is it gets you all the benefits of being a hundred percent disabled without actually equaling the hundred percent disability criteria through the, um, the rating scale. Oh, wow. That's uh, amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 And especially this day and age, you know, I always laugh because some of my, uh, friends always say there's no such word as uh, retirement anymore. <laughs> so we're, right? we're yeah. all in the workforce until. That's true. That's <laughs> so. very true. And, um, you know, and, and, and even like, you know, maybe some people had a goal of retiring and then, you know, doing something part-time where, you know, maybe they make a little bit of money, but they're not, it's not a full-time career anymore. And mm-hmm. if you can't do that, you should still be compensated based on what the law says. Right. Um, now, one thing that's also, if you're, if you're under retirement age and you're TDI, TDIU eligible, you should also be looking at um, SSDI, which is the Social Security Disability Benefit, because um, the analysis for Social Security Disability is very similar for, as for um, the VA unemployability, because it's all based on your, your, um, your background and whether or not you're able to work. Wow. So you can double dip there. Yeah. Okay, great. So that's the SSDI. You know, I was, I was warning about that because, uh, you know, w- if you serve in the military, they uh, will sometimes, I think they decrease your Social Security benefits if you're receiving, you know, re- a retirement pension or all that kind of stuff from the military. So I'm not exactly sure yeah. how that works and whether that is something that, you know, um, you know can be uh, affected by your disability status. You know, and it all it all depends, and you know those payments can be VA payments can be as well, mm-hmm. um, but there's certain um, exceptions that you know you can look for if you're over a certain percentage of disability. They're supposed to pay you both and things like that. So, oh. um, what I would suggest to people is that you know it's worth looking into 
if you have any VA connected condition and it's affecting your ability to work, um, you know, I, I've seen people get it for, um, all kinds of things. And, um, especially when you're working with an attorney like us, you know, we've got, we've got experts that we will get on these cases that will give opinions about restrictions, you know, lifting restrictions, standing restrictions, We've got vocational experts that will look and say, okay, with these restrictions and this work background and education history, you know, these jobs are uh, oh, Jim, you know, either likely or unlikely. You know, quickly, give a, give a place that, you know, because we're running out, we ran out of time, but uh, give yeah. a number where people can contact you and, uh, you know, sure. take back law. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Our, uh, our VA department main number, it's 414 414- Three seven five one seven three five. We've got two attorneys, Monica Karras, who or Monica yeah. Ireland Karras, who you uh, I, I know you talk to quite yes. frequently, and she <laughs> loves being a guest on the show, and um, and myself, uh, Jim Brzezinski. You know, you can ask for either one of us, and we'd be happy to uh, um, you know talk about any any issues related to VA compensation benefits. Fantastic! Thank you, thank you, as sponsor Tayback Law Firm. Pay back for the payback. If you're a veteran, call yeah. them. <laughs> call them. 414-375-1735. Thank you for what you do for our veterans. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.